Good evening, Canes fans, and welcome to the third episode of the Rod the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike May. How you doing, Mike? Doing great tonight. A great Monday evening here, recording a little little late, 8.50 start time over here, you know? First period of the Stanley Cup Finals. Looks like Tampa's already up one nothing. I don't think we're surprised by that. Yeah, let's... Let's just hope this one's over in four. I'm just ready for it to be to be over. Yeah, cr- crown the champs. Let's get this moving on. I, I'm tired of hearing about the Canadian media and how I listened to a pod today. And uh, hey, Montreal has earned their way here. Carey Price, Price has played great. The team's you know doing unbelievable things. They fought through a lot of adversity. Upsetting Vegas was huge, but man, I, I heard a pod and they were basically saying these are two evenly matched teams, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't couldn't be me with those takes, but uh, thank you for joining us again tonight. I think we're going to feature our, our first ever, we're going to call it turtleneck time, which is basically trying to get into the mind of Don Waddell, the Carolina Hurricanes president and GM. Uh, this will be a reoccurring theme, but something we're pretty excited about. Yeah, I think it'll uh, give us a different perspective. We like to look at things from a fan's perspective a lot, I think. We'd really got to sit back and think about the management side of things, which is a little colder, a little more business-like. Um, not a little more, a lot, a lot more, more business-like. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good assertion because, you know, as much as I may enjoy watching Dougie play, we've talked about him a ton, but for the Canes just to have a bottom line number and say, hey, we can't cross that, that's how business works. That's how your job probably works. That's how my job works. Like, we understand that, and as fans, it's hard to distance ourselves from that reality, but it's the truth. Hockey's a business. You know, it's the Patriot way. It's getting rid of a guy too, one year too early instead of one year too late. Uh, so we're going to try and think like Don Waddell tonight. But before we get into that, Mike, what's this news I'm hearing about the outdoor game? So it's, it sounds like, based on what has been released, the Canes don't have an outdoor game next year. It sounds like it's... Minnesota, Nashville, and then there'll be a Canadian market team in the works. Um, but no, no Canes outdoor game next year is what it's looking like. Uh, we're hearing that there will be one in the future, even though it's not next year. But it's kind of frustrating for the fans. We've been waiting a while for this now. We're excited about it. We're just going to have to wait a little bit longer, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a little, not a little, it's it's immensely disappointing. I remember uh, this February, uh, forget the exact date, but it was a beautiful sunny day, perfect cold, like would have been awesome. And that opportunity was obviously taken away because of the coronavirus. But I really was looking forward to Carolina being the first Southern or Eastern, East Coast Southern team to uh, host one of these outdoor games. And it just feels like once again, when, when it comes to Southern hockey, um, the league's going to defer to Nashville. They're going to defer to Tampa. And um, it kind of felt like they, that way when they were scheduling the playoff games and the timing of the playoff games in yeah. that Nashville series. I don't think we want to rehash that. We're, we're not going to be those those bitter Canes fans. But this is disappointing because I was also looking forward to the opportunity to see those leaked jerseys, which, you know, when I first saw them, I was iffy about them. What do you think? They kind of grew on me, though. I like them. Uh we talked about the sleeve was probably my least favorite part of that jersey, um, but uh, overall, I mean, it's I thought they were pretty clean. Um, they went with the logo on the front that they have on the black helmets. Um, I, I mean, I liked them. We'll see. We'll see how close they are to what was leaked. And I mean, now we'll probably have to wait until what the twenty twenty two. 2022, 2023. Well, yep. 2023, probably winter. Yeah. Um, winter of early, yeah, yep. early that, uh, calendar year. Um, now let's do it. We, we alluded to it previously. Let's go into our first t-shirt or uh, turtleneck time. T-shirt. <laughs> Blue, blues, blues, clues, <laughs> mail time coming in right now. Um, Hopefully our, our excellent producer, uh, Steven, can, can maybe get us, develop a, a drop for this at one point, maybe akin to Blue's Clues. I hope not. I think we're a little more professional than that. <laughs> it's a little but, jingle. Um, as we jump into this, remember, we're framing it like we're, we are Don Waddell. You have 29 
$5.4 million of cap space entering the offseason. That's with Jake Gardner on the roster. And I think we can assume he will either be LTIR'd or removed in some capacity. That's going to free up four more million. So right now we are looking at UFAs, Dougie Hamilton, Peter Morazic, Jordan Martinook, Cedric Puckett, Brock McGinn, James Reimer, and Yanni Hockenpah. RFAs, Andre Svestikov, Warren Fogel, Jake Bean, Alex Nedeljkovic, and Morgan Geeky. Based on the apparent Facebook post from Jordan Martinook's dad, we can cross, cross him off that list. Yeah, so it's Pe- sounding unlikely. Peter Morazic, likely gone. Warren Fogel, lots of trade rumors, and uh, there's a strong sentiment that he will be out the door. So what's that leave us? If you are Don Weldell, it's your turtleneck time, Mike May. Tell me how you are building this roster, given that you're likely going to have roughly $33 million of cap space this offseason. Well, I mean, you you look at it from the list that you just read off, and we'll, I'll really quickly touch on them. Um, Peter, I think it's highly unlikely he's back with the Canes. That's a guy that wants to be a number one goaltender. And he's probably earned that, right? And he's earned, yeah, absolutely earned it. He's going to recover from his thumb surgery over the offseason. I would think he's going to want 3.5 to $4 million in that range over some term. Um, it's not going to be in Carolina. So he'll have a new home most likely this coming offseason. I think that's best for Peter. I think that's best for the Hurricanes. Martinook, as you alluded to earlier his his dad posted on facebook essentially saying it was the end of his time in carolina i thought that was bizarre that he did that yeah so j- early just in the process what we know about jordan martinook and you know him wearing a letter and being an integral part of this community kind of weird timing one but that his dad came out and said it and you know we're just going to operate under the premise that that's true I'm a little shocked it didn't come straight from Martinook himself. Um, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense for where their canes are at from a cap standpoint to pay, albeit a versatile player and a, a leader in the room, $2 million to play on your fourth line. Yeah, you can't you can't have a lot of multiple $2 million guys on your fourth line. It also frees up a letter. I think Ajo is deserving to wear a letter full-time now. I think we're going to see that happen next season, uh, as we saw it happen when Slavin was injured. Um, it's time. It's about it's about time for that to happen. Um, the next guy on the list we have here is Paquette. Uh, he, I don't see yeah, a that, spot that, ki- for that him. kind of bleeds into the same conversation to a lesser degree as, as Martin Oki. You just can't pay your fourth line that much money. So he's going to be gone However, the other guy, and I don't think we really consider him a true fourth liner. He's played in that role. Heck, we, we've seen him play on the top line. I think Brock, Brock McGinn will be back, um, whether it's a two, $2.5 million deal. He, he's been on a, what, two by two? Um, um, but he's roughly that deal, but he just brings so much to the Canes lineup. He, he embodies what Rod Brindamore believes a Hurricanes player should be does a little bit of everything and actually had a really good year. Uh, I know he got off to a torrid start scoring goals, uh, cooled off a little bit, but he, he is what Carolina hurricanes hockey is. I would be shocked if they let him get out of the room. What do you think? Yeah. And so he was two by 2.1 and I would think it's going to be similar. I don't think his values changed that much. I think it's a guy Rob Brendan Moore absolutely loves. I think it's a guy that plays in your system really well. I think between the three fourth line players we just mentioned being Martinook, Paquette, and McGinn, it's hands down McGinn is the guy I want to keep, especially come playoff time. Um, I'm I'm a big McGinn fan. I just I like the way he plays. I think that's the kind of grit you need in the bottom half of your lineup. Um, it would be surprising to me if he doesn't come back. It's just a question of does the money work or not. I think sure. that it if he's looking for something maybe in the in the three range, maybe it's a, a different discussion. But for now, I, I think we can at least at least we anticipate him being back. And as I said, compared to those other two guys, he just brings a little bit more uh, 
well-roundedness to his game, a little bit more upside. And, you know, he's, he's been here. He's part of the core. Um, I, he, he's Rod's guy. He's going to be here in my opinion. Uh, next on the list is James Reimer. Um, I think we have him as a, a maybe and the way Depends I would phrase it, and, and you may disagree. I, I, I think you will agree. We're going to bring in a veteran goalie that can succeed in this system in that two to $2.5 million range, whether it's James or it's someone else, your thoughts. Most likely. Yeah. And like you, like you said, it'll be Reimer if there's no better option. I think Reimer and honestly, Reimer could go somewhere else. So, it, I mean, it might not even be our choice. Like he could go somewhere else and we may be forced to find someone else. I could see the Canes spending a little bit more potentially as we saw in the, how we ran Mrazic and Reimer together, both in the 3 million range. I could see another $3 million guy potentially. I think this is a spot where you maybe look to earn back a little bit of cap and cut your goalie costs. Um, part of that which we'll talk about in the f- in the near future here is the Nadelkovich deal. Where is that hash out? I think that kind of plays a factor into what you're looking at for your backup goalie or your 1B. The last UFA of prominence is Yanni Hockenpah acquired at the deadline in a trade with Anaheim for Hayden Flurry. I really like what he brought to the table. Um, doesn't bring a whole lot offensively but he he did score a couple goals physical presence body guy actually skated better than I anticipated him to I didn't think he was a liability I think he's kind of the perfect bottom pairing right shot d-man that you can probably get on a a low deal in the one to 1.5 million dollar range he's finished he fits the culture fans seem to grasp onto him seem to really assimilate well to the room kind of a no-brainer move if he wants to be here yeah, for sure. I think I think he's a really good 6-7 guy for the Hurricanes. I think he he's a guy you could definitely have in your bottom three. We had a small sample size with him. We'll see how, if he comes back, I'll be curious to see how he progresses in the system. Um, I liked what I saw. With that being said, I, we, there's so much potential movement on the back end where we're going to kind of have to watch it as it all unfolds and see what moves Canes need to make as a result. I mean, we've got the, with the expansion draft coming up and your Hamilton contract link looming, uh, we got to just kind of see how things go. I would be happy to have Hawk and Bob back. We brought in Jelena as well. And I see him as really a, a, a minor league pull up seventh defenseman. That gives you a little bit of death and an older guy that, you know, you would think would be. You can throw him out there on NHL ice and he's not going to be like overwhelmed. He's not going to embarrass himself, can play the game. I'm glad you mentioned Dougie. We're not going to rehash that whole thing, but I think it's a good jumping off point to get us to uh, the RFAs because specifically the other big contract is the Svechnikov deal. And I think for this exercise of turtleneck time, we're operating under the premise that he signs a bridge and we have it labeled as two by six by five, or do you have him at three? I think it's probably two years, six and a half million. I, I tend to agree That's with that. Guess. And he's just going to bet on himself and he'll be a free agent again at uh, 23 years old with the opportunity to sign probably an eight year deal at that point through his age 31 season. I think they makes that makes too much sense for both sides. He's going to be a hurricane probably for his entire career. He's Tom Dundon's first draft pick, number two overall in 2018. He's the future of the team. If this team's going to win a cup, he's going to have to be the guy. He's not going anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to see an eight-year deal. I don't think the Canes have even come close to closing the door on that negotiation. We'll have to see what it takes from his agent's perspective to get an eight-year deal done. I don't think it's likely just because his agent is going to want him to do the two-year. Yeah, I mean, it it was widely reported before the start of this season, and albeit he did have a bit of a down year, but he had turned his camp had turned down a uh, eight-year times seven point five annual. Yeah, we both kind of thought that he wasn't signing anything that didn't start, you know, with ten. Maybe that's a little lower now. 
I, I'm not sure what the Canes appetite is, especially with all their contracts coming up at the end of the 2024 season that they're going to really extend that much. So I think a bridge just makes too much sense. It aligns with kind of where they are contractually with their, a lot of their guys. And it gives him an opportunity to, you know, probably get a little bit more pay to where he should be aligned with the market and an opportunity to jump off in two years to get a really big payday. Yeah. Makes too much sense. Yeah. And I like giving the long, the eight year deal later in, the make, make him show stages. a little more yeah I as just, much as we believe in him yeah you give an eight year like you know when they're 21 or something and you're looking at 29 years of age i like that i like the contracts running into the early 30s because when they're 31 and the eight years up you have a smaller window of a career left whereas when they're 20 like the situation we're at with kind Dougie of Dougie, right now exactly Spetch could almost if he signs an eight year now he could almost double dip and expect at 29 years old, a contract that runs through his age 37 season. And I'm not sure at that point, even as much as we love him. And hey, he may be a multiple heart winner by that point. Who knows? Hopefully. But that's a scary deal to sign till someone's like 38 years old, yeah. 37 years old. I yeah. think this avoids that. I think it gets him to 31. And maybe you're talking a four or five year deal. Great. Makes sense for both sides. This is probably the correct trajectory. Speaking of trajectory, a guy that's trending in the opposite direction uh, doesn't seem like he's long for Raleigh is Warren Fogle. The yep. rumor mill is hot around Fogle right now. Yep. His camp is upset. Uh, apparently thinks he should be playing higher in the lineup. His time in Raleigh may have run its course. Tell us what you're hearing on his end. Well, I mean... If, if ultimately it comes down to wanting more opportunity somewhere else, there's not much you can do about that. It's not like the Hurricanes or, or Rod Brennamore is just going to say, yeah, you know what, since you're worried about where you're playing in the roster, we're just going to move you up the roster. That's not Rod's philosophy. That's not many places' philosophy, if any. Um, and I get it. If, if he wants to maybe be a power play guy more – consistently if he wants to be a guy that is paying playing top six minutes like that's his right if that's what he wants the likelihood of that being in carolina is is slim he's gonna really have to earn it yeah and he may have spot starts there based on injury but the, the truth of the matter is they got six guys at least if not more slotted ahead of him in those roles and Warren is flashed you know he came on the scene he made the team in 2018 when he probably shouldn't have had a great postseason um, I kind of agree with Adam Gold as take on Warren that if he would play with a little bit more edge, animosity, feistiness, use that big body and kind of lean into being the villain, that would be a good you know, pivot for his career. I'm not sure he's ever going to be that guy. Instead, he, he's more of a middle six forward that can play on the kill, can maybe give you some second uh, power play unit time but just that lacks a little finish. He has skill, but just something is, is just missing. He's missing a little additive so, to get yeah. him over the top. Uh, maybe his camp feels that if he gets into a different role in a different system and has the opportunity to flourish in that top six role that he'll become that guy and maybe that'll be a payday for him. I just don't see that being on, you know, it's definitely not here in Carolina. It was probably not for a contender either. No, not likely. And I'm a Warren Fogle fan. I like his game. I like a lot of the dimensions to his game. But like you like you mentioned, the fact of the matter is we see Warren Fogle put himself into some really good situations, and I've noticed his deking and specifically has gotten much better since he came in. That's it's he played very rushed early in his career, and you started to see that rushed be more accurate now, where he was beating the the defender or when it was two guys and he would split the defenders you know you you were seeing him pull off the moves that his brain was telling him to do earlier in his career that just weren't falling through but now it's the last piece of the puzzle is now finish the play make the pass or score the goal and he's he's gotten better the question is does he have that next level to where he can be a guy that consistently gets you 20 plus goals and 35 plus assists like can he be a 60 plus point guy and uh, it's tough to know he's 25 years old I don't see many contending franchises 
where he's going to be in your top six. How is he gonna? How is he gonna? Like, how is he gonna play playing on a, a lesser team? He might be one of the guys that plays really, really well on a team that loses more frequently, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, could you see him being a low end? William Carlson, like, you know, coming out experience, maybe not in a Seattle, but in, in like a Buffalo or something like that, where just gets thrust into a role and, you know, all of a sudden it clicks and you alluded to it a little bit with, you know, how it seemed like he had all this ability, but there was a little bit almost like baby deer to him, like on the ice, like he had these great thoughts, but it kind of wouldn't come together. And Hey, I, I get that. I, I've been there. The, the game has seemed, you know, when I was playing professionally, the game would seem fast to me sometimes. And you finally re- reach the point in your career where you're able to kind of slow it down. It's clear he's reached that. Yeah. And I think him and his agent and probably his family feel that he deserves more of an opportunity to, to feature that because there's no doubt that he is one of the more skilled guys. I mean, it really shows up more on his one-on-ones with the deking and creativity. To me, it comes back to finish. But hey, if he was in a different scenario, if he's in a Buffalo and, you know, Jack Eichel's gone and he's playing on the top line and, you know, he's one of your premier wingers. I wouldn't be shocked if he potted 25 and maybe had a high 60s, mid or a mid 60s, high 50s performance in a season in points. That wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. I just think for Carolina, one, he's never going to get that opportunity other than in spot starts. But it makes his RFA contract really hard to negotiate because he feels like there's probably more out there for him. And I'm just not sure. Well, hey, it's it's our decision at this time. We are, it's turtleneck time. I know I'm not paying a number that starts with three to Fogel um, because I feel like he's replaceable and I might have guys, Jarvis, that can come in on the cheap entry-level deal that can kind of replace that third-line role and maybe offer me even more scoring upside and skill. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, the decision also partially comes down to desire to be in Carolina, right? I think it's really tough to build a contending team with players that aren't totally bought in. And I'm not saying he's not bought in, but, you know, if he doesn't want to be here and the numbers don't make sense for him, I think he's a guy that will have continued success in the league. I think he's a guy that could potentially become a second line regular. It's just he didn't beat out Niederreiter, and he got he got passed by Natchez. Yeah, he had the opportunity to beat out Niederreiter, and he didn't, and he got passed by Natchez, as which was something that was expected. So it's just not likely in Carolina. I mean, you look at next season. The top six, there's just not a spot for him. And it's just the reality of it that he might be a guy like you mentioned that moves up and down the lineup when they need a, a line shakeup. But I mean, when it, you're, when you're icing your best lineup, he's not in your top six. And no. hey, we're going to treat him like he's a Carolina Hurricanes player until he's not. It's very much looking like he won't be. But if he is to move on, if he is to get traded or, or signs a an offer sheet somewhere else, like, it's a guy you wish nothing but the best for. Came in as a guy that wasn't supposed to make the team. Total grinder. Laid it on the line. Had some really good playoff performances. You know, we're not giving him his well wishes yet, but hey, he's a guy you root for, and uh, there would be no animosity out of the door, at least on our end as fans. Um, pivoting to to Jake Bean, and Jake Bean's a little more, the conversation's a little more nuanced to me because I believe if Brady Shea is protected, Jake Bean is exposed in the expansion draft. And we'll, we'll talk expansion draft a little bit more later, but more so into next week. I think Jake Bean is the selection for the Seattle Kraken. I, I think that to me, I, I've heard Fogel could be the call. Maybe if Nino Niederreiter is exposed, which I'm not really sure unless they really just wanted to clear cap space. I think Brady Shea earned his roster spot during the playoffs. There's no way to me that former draft pick by Ron Francis, Jake Bean isn't in a Seattle jersey if he's exposed. But for now, we're operating under the, the mindset that we're looking at like a $1.5 million deal to be a bottom pairing defenseman that will hopefully, you know, grow into his role into Carolina. And 
maybe be the power play quarterback to replace Dougie Hamilton? Is, is that kind of what we're thinking right now? Uh, I mean, I think you'd hope that Bean becomes that guy. Um, like you, like you mentioned, the expansion draft really throws a wrench at RFA and UFA negotiations. I know a lot of organizations have expressed the desire specifically for UFAs to leave them unsigned prior to the expansion draft, which makes makes sense strategy-wise. When you look at the RFAs, his is weird. I mean, I'm not totally sure that I think he gets taken. I think it, it's definitely a good chance if he's exposed, he's taken. I think if you have Warren Fogle, Jesper Faust, and Jake Bean all exposed, I think ultimately what it's going to boil down to is who are they getting from the other teams. Because by the time they've made that decision, they're going to they're gonna know basically who they're taking from everyone. The question is, is he a guy that fits or are they going to look for a guy like potentially Jesper Faust or Warren Fogle if they're available? It's I, I could really see them taking any of those three guys if they're available. I think they will be. If you bring Jake Bean back, it's probably a one-year deal. Um, yeah, would it be that dissimilar from the contract, RFA contract Hayden Fleury signed? Probably not much. But Hayden no. Fleury did have more NHL experience. Yeah. Granted, I, I think maybe at that point the ceiling was deemed slightly lower, but I don't know. Some of the shine has worn off since February, March for Jake Bean as well. I mean, he was looking like a no-doubt protect guy, and now we're sitting here very much feeling like, at least me, I'm anticipating him being gone. I would like him to not be gone personally. Oh, I, I agree. I, I just think that's where it's trending. Yeah, and I, I hear you on that. My thing is he's had such a small opportunity in the NHL, and I do think that that ceiling is still very high in my opinion. I think He's a guy that's shown flashes, and he's a guy that I think once he gets really comfortable at full speed in the NHL. I, I, his vision is great. His puck movement is great. He's going to improve as a defender. He needs to improve improve physically, and that's yeah, going to be up to him. to me, it's him. just the physicality thing. That's going to be up to him if he improves in that regard or not. Does he want to be that guy, or does he not want to be that guy? I think... Yeah, if he's not going to... if he's not going to defenseman, easily. I, I agree with that. To me, it unfortunately maybe doesn't fit the window as much because that's probably at least another year away but I think you can put him on your bottom pair and as he grows into that role I I hope at least next year he won't be a liability versus better opponents because he was exposed especially in that Tampa series Nashville did kind of the same thing was very physical with him and he struggled with it I don't think the pairing with Hawk and Paul's like the worst thing ever because they can kind of balance each other out but he's got to be able to stand for him, stand up for himself a little more, especially, you know, board battles in the corner. And, you know, he can't just get, you know, bullied off the puck. Was it uh, was it Johansson or Duchesne that basically just one hand lifted him and then they scored a goal right off yeah. it? And I think in game four, it was not not his finest moment. But he's a guy that you want to bet on the upside. You know, he's, he's a player that was developed by the team, drafted by the team that, you know, I think we envision him being part of the future. Um, it's just to me, if they're set on losing Hamilton, which we still tend to think that's more likely than not, how do you not protect Shea? Because you can't lose two of your four best NHL defensemen. And yes, there's a cost savings there, but that really, in my opinion, takes you out of the contender category unless you're bringing in some, but it's not a great free agent class. And we've always had a hard time bringing high end guys to Raleigh. Yeah. I, like, and I've kind of told you this, my opinion on it is I think if the team is added to, it's going to be made mostly through trades. I think if the team has to replace Dougie Hamilton's value, I think it's going to be through trade. I don't think it's going to be, done through free agency i i think gen generally teams that usually get 
hit by bad contracts, I like to think a lot of them come from free agency. Yeah, you look free at the agency hurricane. is usually generally bad. No you doubt. look at the Hurricanes and you look at the, like, all right, we're looking at Jake Gardner. That one's Gone. not that one's not one you love. I we mean, like Calvin Hahn. That one was shipped out quick. Yeah, like, we haven't done well in that regard of taking the chances and winning and, and those were deemed pretty low like yeah. good team friendly yeah. signings and and now we're looking at them like oh man that that's we got to get that off the books um my my one well there is another critique is i don't mind building through trades but it's almost a double whammy because not only you would you be losing a hamilton and a losing a shea but then you're giving up assets to replace them well, and then it's no, not yeah. a one for one. And, and that's the scary part. And although the Canes have a deep pipeline, you know, they used to have a, a deep pipeline of defensemen too. And now we're sitting here going, where's the depth? Yeah. Well, the, for me, there's nothing you can do about losing one guy to the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's nothing we can do to stop that from hap- happening. It depends who they want to. Yeah. I don't think they need to give up an asset to do it either. I, I that's, no. we, that was shown to be, a, a foolhardy exercise. Vegas totally leveraged that and obviously won, you know, beat the league and taking all these side deals. It works. I think we did the same thing though. Cause ultimately the van reams like trade was ultimately like, Hey, don't take one of our guys. We'll give you a second in the van, you know? So like, yeah, we might've been one of the few winners, but in, in general, Vegas beat the league and it's shown with sure. what, was that three conference finals or yeah conference finals appearances in four years yeah I think I think ultimately if you can find a way to to potentially make a trade where you're giving up an asset that allows you to protect Shea and Bean I think that puts you in a, a really good spot because we have we have plenty of forward depth and like you mentioned our uh, our pipeline doesn't look as as fat as it used to so i i would be concerned if we lost hamilton and shea like you mentioned i would be concerned if we lost hamilton and bean um i'd be concerned like in pretty much any scenario on that unless we make moves and i think we're due for moves but we're At not going to at what cost him. will you take warren fogel <laughs> yeah uh, well, but before we get too far down this uh, tangent on the expansion draft, let, let, let's gear back towards the, the RFA conversation. And yep. we touched on it in a previous pod. We both feel like the Canes, at least for the first time and in a long time, feel like organizationally they have their goalie of the future and yep. the present. And that's Alex Nadokovic and mm-hmm. guy that was you know placed on waivers big asterisk there unique year for waivers but earlier the year this year and emerged as the 1a and was the day one playoff starter and you know had great playoff performances other than really the game one versus tampa the week goal versus goudreau i believe but he's a guy that you finally feel like you can build around and contractually i think we're both feeling it's likely to be a bridge hasn't played enough to or won enough to merit a contract similar to Jordan Bennington, although the career trajectories are similar. Um, I'm feeling like this is three, three and a half over two. We'll revisit it later. Hopefully continues to build on his performance this year and truly prove that he's a, you know, a front end guy in the league. Yeah. Um, This one is one of the ones that like, I do think it's going to be a two-year deal, and I do think it's going to be in the $3 million range like you mentioned. At the same time, as a goalie, he has the potential to go out and fetch something that's maybe four or five years long. He has a little bit of negotiating power because of his RFA status, but not as much as you obviously have in a UFA window, but he can negotiate a little bit, so... We'll see what he wants. I think we're going to see a lot about what he feels about his potential. Based on what I've heard from him in interviews, it sounds like he's a guy that really believes in himself. He's a great interview. Oh, he's a great interview. And he thinks about himself as a number one goalie, and he wants to get better. So I, I think he's going to take a shorter term because he believes that he's only going to get better and, you know, I'm, hey, totally I'm here that. for it. I'm yeah, totally I, 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 
I think we'd like if he was three inches taller, but yeah. the, the guy was great this year and we, we, we loved his performance. And I think we both believe he can continue to grow into the role. The last notable RFA that we need to touch on is uh, Morgan Geeky, a guy that has been in and out of the lineup, really flashed, talented guy for a, a fourth liner, the role he's been inserted into, you know, play a little wing, more of a natural center, uh, a guy we like, likely going to be in the, the low ones range, mm-hmm. a kid that has actually been floated as potentially being exposed for the expansion draft. Um, I'm not sure he would merit uh, selection by Seattle. Um, give me some thoughts on, on Morgan Geeky and his, his place within the hierarchy of the Hurricanes lineup. You know, he's a guy to me that I like a lot. I think there's room for him to grow, obviously, just like everybody has room to grow. I saw a little more fire come out of him as the season went on. He started to get a little more confident in his physicality and his forechecking. I think he has a long way to go in that regard. I think his skating needs to improve a little bit. But, I mean, the guy's obviously got a laser beam for a shot. Um, And, you know... He's a cheap fourth line option that can score on the fourth line. And I think if he nails down that four check checking responsibility and then you add to that the shot that he has, it makes your fourth line a a threat. And I think that's a good aspect to have on it. Yeah, probably needs if he's going to play in a fourth line capacity, needs to display a little more, you know, sandpaper, a little more edge physicality, as you were alluding to. But you know, a kind of guy that can probably play up a little bit in the lineup, can, can be a spot starter on the third line, give you a little scoring juice. I know he's been knocked for his skating, but I, I don't think it was, it's been that apparent that he, he's a step slow. It, he's skilled enough and thinks the game well enough that he puts himself in good positions to where, you know, he, he always seems to be, at least especially in the offensive zone, in the right place, scoring areas. He, he gets that. And I'm not sure... We, we talk about needing finishers and I, I'm not asserting that he's the finisher they need, but if they could get a high end skill guy that understood the value of going to those areas like geeky does, I think that could be a game changer for this lineup. Yeah, I agree. And I think we'll see how he progresses. Um, I think we'll, he'll, he'll likely be uh, not likely. There's a good chance that he'll be a guy that's exposed in the expansion draft, um, it depends. I mean, it really depends who the Canes want to protect. You could... Hey, it's turtleneck time. Yeah, it's who, turtleneck who time. Who are you protect, protecting? So, personally... We are you can, going 7-3-1 yeah. or are you going 8-1? I'm going 7-3-1 yeah. for sure. 7-3-1. I mean, the obvi- like, number one, Jordan Stahl has to be protective. Or protected, excuse That's me. That's because of the movement clause. Yep, correct. Because of the no movement clause. You protect Aho, you protect Teravinen. I personally think you protect Niederreiter and Trocek. Agreed. I think after that, I'm probably leaving Jesper Faust unprotected. I'm protecting Lorenz. Then. Did you the, say Svetch? I haven't gotten there yet. I keep. Right now, Spencer Small, Smallman, excuse me, counts in this roster he's obviously unprotected and then really it boils down to geeky or mcginn and i'm thinking i'm thinking mcginn honestly as a guy that you protect he's a ufa so he could be a guy that you don't protect with the plan to re-sign him post expansion draft i think similar to dougie if dougie was to sign i think both of those guys will be left unprotected yeah and then would sign, you know, yep. day one they're eligible to post um, uh, expansion draft. I, I think the only thing that I would maybe change in, I, I know this is one of the the high, more highly debated aspects of this is, I would I would protect Faust. I, I would let Lorenz be unprotected. Um, I think there's a value to this team to having proven NHL guys and, and that's a really team friendly contract. So that that's maybe the one thing. And you know, I, I could even argue geeky over Lorenz. Um, but those guys are pretty similar to me. But 
other than that, I really agree with the forwards that you're protecting. I, I don't know how we could ever leave Nino exposed. I know that's been floated in yeah. some capacity, but if they want to, you know, keep this window open and Hey, he's prone to getting hot and cold, but he's coming off a great year. Uh, and we don't need the cap savings that much. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Lorenz fan. I like what he brings and I think that his game's only going to grow. Um, if you leave Brock McGinn unprotected with the thought in mind that you have a deal worked out already, you plan to sign it post-expansion draft, I'm fine with that. In that case, you protect Morgan Geeky and Andrei Svechnikov, excuse me. Then you leave Fogel unprotected. You leave Paquette unprotected. I wouldn't be shocked if Fogel was dealt that night or dealt before then. It, it just seems like the steady drumbeat is kind of telling us he is more than likely gone. Um, how, how, how would you do the defenseman? Because I'm on record as saying I would protect Slavin, Pesci, and Shea. Would you protect Bean or Shea? That's really the decision, Dude, right? I I go back and forth on it. So like the way Shea played in the playoffs made me say, okay, I, I can... I can get behind this a little bit more. It's just, it really depends on what the trade market looks like. What is the likelihood that you lose Dougie and Shea and you find replacements? If Don is looking in the market and he's like, I have trades that I think I can make that will benefit the team, make the team a, a more likely winner, then, okay, then maybe you leave Shea unprotected and you take the chance on being developing into the guy that you drafted him to be. If, based on the phone calls he's making, there's nothing there's nothing that, like, he's looking at it like, what are we going to do on the back end? Like, I don't have options. Then you have to protect Shea. Or, yeah, Shea, excuse me. And that's the reality of it. So that's something we're going to yeah. know a lot about what – Don thinks the market looks like come July 17th when they have to submit their protected list. Sure. And, and that is the toughest question. And I thought Brady Shea was noticeably better this year than in his brief stint, um, you know, with the bubble and right at the trade deadline where we, we barely got to see him. And I didn't love that trade at the time, giving up a first. And I'm not sure he, especially in a flat cap, uh, you know, world we live in now. Not sure he's worth what five one. Um, he's on five point two five. Five point two five. And this kind of goes uh, in juxtaposition to kind of how I phrased things last episode and talking about viewing small sample sizes. But as I acknowledge, he was better this year. He was noticeable and was a focal point in the playoffs. I don't want to double count that. But if you are pretty sure you're losing Dougie, I just not I'm not sure you can go in the next year not having three proven NHL defensemen. I wouldn't hate the cap savings. If I knew I was keeping Dougie Hamilton, I'd feel much more comfortable exposing him and bringing back Jake Bean and playing the upside game and taking that 5.25 and you know, hopefully repositioning it and getting another, you know, middle pairing defenseman to you know, stay home and play with Pesci and then kind of have a lockdown pairing on a better cap number. To me, maybe that's even the better way to play it. But once again, I think the reoccurring theme of this offseason is everything is so predicated on the Dougie Hamilton decision. If Dougie's back with this team, it allows you to play a different way. If he's not with this team, you're going to have to play another way still. Yeah. And it's just ensuring the requisite talent level is kept and hopefully surpassed to make sure this team is a contender next year and continues to build. Because if they lose that guy and then Shea's out the door or you let Bean get select selected in the expansion draft and he hits his ceiling, all of a sudden the low-budget Tom Dundon, we're going to win every deal thing if we regress next year, it's not going to be viewed the same way. It's not going to be viewed, oh, guys, take deals to stay in Carolina. It's like Carolina doesn't invest in the team winning. And, hey, they, they built up a lot of collateral this year. 
winning the central and spending to the cap, but you got to produce, you got to win. And it's, it's a big gamble to let one of your best, you know, three players, at least analytically, one of the top five defensemen in the league leave. And so that's why to me, the discussion, although we don't want it to necessarily, will always come back to what they do with number 19. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have a little bit different opinions on it. I think it's not the end of the, like, I think the Canes will be fine regardless of the Hamilton situation. Do I think that it's going to change the dynamics of the team? Absolutely. We're not going to play the same way if Hamilton is gone. That's a given. You're going to have to find replacements and you never know who it could be. You don't know how, if Jarvis steps up and is in the lineup next year, you, who knows? Who knows what you have in that guy? You, that guy could be a guy that ends up having a 50, 60 point season out of nowhere. You don't know. That is a guy that has a, a very nice toolkit and we're just going to have to see when he finally makes his NHL debut. Where's he at? From his small sample in the AHL, the dude showed that he knows how to get points. Like he, He's proved that he understands how to play the pro game. We'll see. Um, well, it's tough. Yeah. Let me, let's kind of conclude this discussion by, we started off by talking about how Don Waddell has $29.4 million in cap space based on how we framed the UFA and RFA discussion and the numbers we provided. So this assumes McGinn is back. Reimer or an equivalent is back. Hawk and is back. Svetch signs a bridge. Fogel's gone. Bean, Ned and Geeky are all back. That leaves the Canes with roughly 10.5 mil, but you need to add four more. So it's going to be 14 once Jake Gardner is moved or put on LTIR. Whoa. So with 14 point something mil, Dougie is up in the air. So anywhere from seven to nine available to get removed. The only glaring need in that roster that we've built is what? one of the wingers on the third line who could be Seth Jarvis on the cheap. That still gives you the flexibility with that cap number to bring in a few impact players, make some moves and flexibility. If Dougie's not a part of that, obviously you have more, you know, resources at your disposal to, to make things happen. Um, but to me, and I'll keep saying it, it's not necessarily Dougie. It's just making sure the team has the requisite level of talent to win a Stanley cup. Yeah, I think they're going to I think I think that they're aware that if Hamilton is gone that they're going to have to find a piece and I think there are pieces available on the market. I think they'll get it done. I think they've proven their track record so far is that they've made the right moves. Um we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason for all of us to sit back and watch. Um, if you if you have like the roster that we've looked at, well, like you just alluded to really quickly, if you have Svetch on the six and a half million dollar bridge deal, you have Aho at eight point four six, you have Teravine at five point four, Niederreiter five point two five, Trocheck four point seven five, Natchez on his rookie deal. Two stacked top lines. Two great top lines. Jarvis on his rookie deal if he comes in. You got stall at six million. Let me let me start on Jarvis. We at least I do. I believe you agree with me. He'll probably be make the team next year because I can't see the Canes letting him go back to juniors again. Because for those that don't know, if he doesn't make the NHL roster, he doesn't go to the AHL. He goes back to juniors. So I think he'll be on the team next year, or maybe even trade or start on the team uh, or trade. Play the, yeah. play the nine games. Like yeah. I think he'll start in the league, similar to what Natchez did. Uh, what twenty eighteen, where he played nine games. They're going to get a look at him. If he can stick, he'll stick. If not, they will send him back. But um, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But no, or or they'll play him and break it and send him to the AHL. Because um, if, if he plays, yeah, yeah, you're right. If he plays enough games, and then they can send him down to the AHL. But I, I think if they bring him in, if he makes the team out of training camp, I think he's on the roster for no the doubt. season. Uh, then you have Foss at two million. McGinn, we say we say we'll say two and a quarter for now, but I think it's going to be probably closer to two million. We'll see how that shakes out. Lorenz is on his rookie deal. You got good geeky back, excuse me, around a million. 
Slavin's still at 5.3. Let's say Hamilton is at 9 million, whether it's a yeah, short so, term. Yeah, put it, up, put it on the 9 mil. And then you got Shea at five and a quarter, Pesci at 4.025. We'll say Bean and Hawk and Power at 1.5 each. Ned's got 3 million. And then your backup goalie, you allocate 2.5 million. That may be more. How, how much caps that give us? That leaves you about 5.5, a little less, 5.3. You can bring in a Barkley drill. To you take bring, geeky spot, you, you can do be yeah. creative and bring in a little bit more sandpaper and and make this more of a quote unquote playoff team. You can, you can, you can flip a a Nieder rider for a uh, Tarasenko. Uh, yeah, a finisher, more of a true finisher. You can do that, and then you still have you still have about three point three million dollars in cap space. There are options. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm glad you you took the time to break that down for us because I, I think at the end of the day. I, it shouldn't be doom and gloom. I don't think there is anybody really doom and gloom around Kane's land right now, but you know, we have that Dougie cloud hanging over us, but you just showed it. I mean, at nine mil, even at the, the short bridge deal that we talked about a ton last episode, even at, the, at that high cap number, the Canes can have the flexibility to make some really impactful moves yeah. to establish the fact that they're not only going to remain a contender, but they can get even better into next year. And I think, with our inaugural turtleneck time, I think we've done a really good job of, uh, you know, at least you in this last little portion showing that this team is still trending very much in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. There is, I, I know, like we've, we know there are players that we like that are going to leave this window. And it's been the first time that we've had a team that's won consistently. So you get more attached to players as you win more consistently. So like you hate to see a guy like Martin go. You hate to see a guy like Fogel go. You'd hate to see a guy like Dougie Hamilton go. It's the reality of this type of winning has a cost. Winning culture. Yeah, you're winning and you either can pay him or you can't pay him and or they've outgrown their role on the team. And that's that's the reality of hockey and, you know, it's a good position to be in as long as management makes the right moves. And only time will tell. We can sit here and talk about it all we want, but you never know. You know, we'll see what happens. As we've talked about, this this is a you know brain dump exercise. We're going to throw ideas against the wall and debate them and, and try to reach a conclusion and make educated comments to you know try to encapsulate where the team is going, how they're trending, and how they can continue to get better uh, to maximize this current window of these core guys. Um, Mike, I really enjoyed this discussion. Um, thank you for sharing your insights. And, you know, as we get out of here, thank you guys for joining us. Mike, please tell them where they can find us. You can follow us on Instagram at The Rod The Podcast and on Twitter at The Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We are on, but not limited to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.